Thank you, Jim, for that ministry of music. Thank you for coming back this evening. As I look out here, um, a word to those of you who are sitting in the back. If I were sitting there, that's where I'd sit too. So I've never been one of those people who say, come on down, sit up front, because that's where I'd want to sit. So you're very welcome to be back there. That's all right. I'm uh, uh, glad you're here this evening. Well, tonight we're talking about tithing from the book of Malachi, Malachi chapter 3, verses 6 to 12. The uh, scriptures have a great deal to say about the use of money. John MacArthur, pastor of Grace Community Church, in his tape series, Mastery of Materialism, said, and I quote, 16 out of 38 of Christ's parables deal with money. More is said in the New Testament about money than heaven and hell combined. Five times more is said about money than prayer. And while there are 500 plus verses on prayer and faith, there are over 2,000 verses dealing with money and possessions. So it is a very, very significant portion of Scripture. Our use of money says a lot about our faith and relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. Transitional statement. The Israelites stand in need of repentance as illustrated by their lack of tithing. So the theme tonight is God exhorts his people to repent and to trust in the Lord. The key verses are Malachi 3, 7, and 8. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? You are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? in your tithes and contributions. So number one, the need for repentance is nothing new. Malachi 3.7 says, From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside to my statutes and have not kept them. That is not uh, saying, well, everybody sins, and so you might as well sin too, but rather it's a statement about the long-suffering nature of God, how he is uh, put up with people generation after generation, and he still puts up with us. Number two, God continues to extend forgiveness to those who repent, for he never changes. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. A supreme example of the Israelites' need for repentance is their failure to keep God's laws as illustrated in tithing. It says, from the days of your youth, you have turned aside from my statutes and not kept them. So it's a broad statement about the Israelites' failure to follow the commands of God, the statutes in general. So he says, return to me and I'll return to you. That is, obey my statutes and I will bless you. But you say, how shall we return? So now it focuses on just one area. Uh, it is one example out of many that could have been given as they had been unfaithful in the statutes in general. But he chooses to speak of unfaithfulness with regard to tithes and offerings. 
Number four, we rob God by taking what rightfully belongs to God and using it for ourselves. Malachi 3.8, will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But how, say you, have we robbed you? Answer in your tithes and contributions. So the scripture teaches that when uh, we fail uh, to offer our tithes unto the Lord, we have in fact stolen from God. A, a tithe uniquely belongs to God. Leviticus 27.30, every tithe of the land, whether of the seed or of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Now all things belong unto God in that he is the maker of all things. Psalm 50, 10, 11, and 12. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills, and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and its fullness are mine. So God is the owner of all things. And I hope that we understand that we are stewards, that uh, things have been placed in our hands as being uh, responsible for overseeing ultimately what comes from God. Number two, when we give to God, we give from what he has already given to us. Now there is a resuscitation here of uh, David's prayer as he has been dedicating the monies that have been set aside for the building of the temple. A great deal of uh, gold, silver, etc. has come in. David himself has given a tremendous amount of wealth, as did the other Israelites. And then this is his prayer. But who am I, and what is my people, that we should be able thus to offer willingly? For all things come from you, and of your own have we given you. For we are strangers before you, and sojourners, as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow, and there is no abiding. O Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand, and all is your own. So there is this sense that everything we have ultimately has been given to us by God. Everything that we have comes under God's authority. However, with that in mind, a tithe uniquely belongs to God in the sense that it is to be reserved by mankind for God's use. So we need to be good stewards with everything that God gives us. We need to act responsibly with it. But there's a tenth that is not to be viewed as under our control. It is not for us to distribute it the way that we would desire. But rather, we are to understand that a tenth of all that we have is to be set aside and belongs uniquely to God. Um, Leviticus 27.30. Every tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, it is the Lord's, it is holy to the Lord. We steal from God when we withhold our tithes from him. Uh, how have you robbed you? In your tithes and your contributions. A tithe should be brought to and distributed by the church. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. So it isn't giving just partly of what you have uh, to God's work, but it is the full 10% that is to be given to God's work. For again, it is not under our control for our distribution. It's not for us to decide how this 10% is to be spent. It is to be given to uh, <clears throat> the storehouse, which in the New Testament is the church. And D, a tithe should be given to the church so the church has ample supply to do its work. That there may be food in my house. Uh, 
the uh, storehouse was a place that would come, and then from that storehouse, uh, it would be distributed uh, to fulfill the, the purpose and work of God. So it is to be given to the church, so the church then can use it to fulfill God's purpose and design that he has for the church. So what is a tithe? A tithe is 10% of what we make and own. Leviticus 27.32, that's what a tithe means, but uh, here it's given to us in the scripture. And every tithe of herds and fields, every tenth animal of all that passes under the herdsman's staff shall be holy to the Lord. Number five, the consequences of the Israelites' unfaithfulness with regards to tithes and offering. The scripture refers to those who have withheld their tithes as being under a curse. You are cursed with a curse. Okay, that sounds uh, pretty uh, severe. And uh, we need to ask ourselves, what does that mean? What is that curse? Uh, what form does it take? What does that look like? Number one, the curse was, their, was that their work was not supplying their need. Malachi 3.11 says, I will rebuke the devourer for you, so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil. This is what God is going to do if you tithe. So the curse is that the fruits will not be produced from your soil. Your vine in the field positively shall not fail to bear. So negatively, it is that it fails to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Uh, said more clearly in the book of Haggai. They were not getting ahead by their failure to give to God. Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much, harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Uh, I, I love word pictures, and you can see that. You can think of this money bag, and you're, you're putting the money in, but at the bottom it's got a hole in it, and it just falls out. The idea here, the curse is that people are withholding from God, thinking that I can't survive on what I have. Uh, I'm not going to have what I need if I give this to God. I can't afford to give this. And the scripture is saying, in essence, you can't afford not to give. Uh, that uh, God is going to bring hardship, discipline, in order to get us to recognize the value of tithing. B, the reason for the curse is due to his people not tithing. You are cursed with a curse, for you're robbing me, uh, the whole nation of you. And C, the practice of not tithing was practically universal. The whole nation of you, and it's probably why of all the statutes that God chose to use this as an illustration, because it reached the most people. Uh, it was the most practical illustration of not obeying him, okay? Uh, you want to take a, a shotgun approach and just throw out something that is pretty universally applicable? Well, in Malachi's day, it was addressed tithing. The whole nation, it says, is failing to tithe. So as an aside, what are the statistics on tithing today? I do not know nor have access to statistics for our local church. I don't know who ties, who doesn't ties. I don't, know, I don't want to know who ties and doesn't ties. So I have no 
stats to share with you about our church. Therefore, we'll consider some national statistics. All right? We'll just look at Christendom in general in the United States. Now, what I've done is, uh, because there's no unanimity of agreement on these stats, I've given you stats from three different sources. Uh, and unfortunately, they're not apples to apples, but apples to oranges because they don't cover the same years, which is some of the reason for the disparity in the numbers. But you will see that overall, uh, from these three different sources, the numbers look pretty much the same except for one, and I'll talk about that. So, first, statistics taken from uh, WP Admin, October 5th, 2014. Uh, all of these come from that particular website. Only 3 to 5% Americans who give to their local church do so through regular tithing. Okay, so um, there is that statistic. For Christians making less than $20,000 per year, 8% of them give at least 10% in tithing. For families making a minimum of 75000 or more, the figure drops to just 1%. Uh, so you would think that as people have more money, it's easier for them to live, it'd be easier for them to give, but for whatever reason, it appears that uh, the more income you make, the more unlikely you are to tithe by the statistics. 37% uh, of people who attend church every week and identify themselves as evangelical don't give any money to their church at all. Uh, so now we're not even talking about tithing, but we're just talking about giving. People that attend church on a regular basis, 37% of them don't give anything to the church. Uh, D, 77% of those who tithe give 11 to 20% or more of their income, far more than the baseline of 10%. So three quarters of people that tithe actually do more than tithe. Okay, so three quarters of people that tithe give more than their 10%. E, 97% of Christians who make it a top financial priority to give to their local church. Uh, so 97% uh, of Christians who tithe make it a top financial priority to give to their local church. In other words, 97 out of 100 people that tithe do give the money to their church as opposed to other places. F. Seven out of ten tithers do so based on their gross income, not their net income. G. In total, about 10 million tithers in the United States donate about $50 billion annually to the church and other nonprofit causes. H. People who tithe regularly typically have less debt than other demographics. Eight out of ten have zero credit card debt and 28% of them are completely debt-free, including not having a mortgage. Now, when you get into some of these statistics, uh, it's hard to know what they represent. It's hard to know uh, what is the cause and the effect, if you will. Um, there are a lot of people that say, when you learn to tithe, you learn to handle your money. Uh, when you practice tithing and you give that money first, you become a better steward of your money in general. Okay, if you're keeping track of your 10%, you're keeping track of your 90%. And so there are a lot of people that say that 
practice of tithing then leads to financial responsibility in other areas, such credit cards, etc. Others would say, well, it's demonstration of the blessing of God that comes upon people that, uh, that tithe. Five, statistics from Relevant Magazine, March 8, 2016, article, What Would Happen if the Church Tithe? Here's the big outlier. That is, tithers make up only 10 to 25% of a normal congregation. Uh, it doesn't tell us what that congregation is, what body of groups this is. That is by far the highest uh, statement about percentage of uh, congregations that, that, that give. Okay? Uh, B, only 5% of the U.S. ties, um, with 80% Americans only giving 2% of their income, and that's talking about all charitable giving. C, the larger point is, what would happen if believers were to increase their giving to a minimum of, let's say, 10%, there would be an additional $165 billion for churches to use and distribute. Uh, that's an incredible number. And you can imagine what could be done if the church had, in America, had $165 billion extra to throw at many of the world's issues and needs, etc. Six, third source, Market Watch, bases this argument on research in a 2013 state-of-the-plate research report sponsored by such church organizations as Christianity Today and the Evangelical Christian Credit Union. Uh, this has the most uh, gravitas. It's, it's viewed as the most reliable, uh, so I saved it for last, and this is what it says. This report, currently the most comprehensive research available on TENS, and tithing among churchgoers tends to support market watches take. State of the plate estimates 10 million of these people tithe 10% of their income, implying only 7% of professed churchgoers are tithing 10%. What's more, out of the whole U.S. population, this suggests that barely 3% of us tithe 10% or more. One said 2%, the other says 3%. State of the plate says 28% of tithers started giving 10% when they were in their childhood or teen years. So more than a quarter of people that tithe started the practice when they were children or teens. Uh, I think that's really important to note, and uh, it's good to start our children to teach them to tithe, whether it be their um, gifts they get or whether it be their allowance or money for chores, or whatever. It's a good practice to teach our children. Number six, the means of returning. We return to the Lord by tithing to the church. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. Now here is a, 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 the crux of the matter and uh, somewhat an unusual portion of scripture. B, we are invited to put God's faithfulness to the test. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And now this, and thereby put me to the test. Elsewhere, the scripture forbids our putting God to the test. Deuteronomy 6.16, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested him in Massa. So in one portion of scripture, it says don't put the Lord to the test. Here, it says put the Lord to the test. 
Reason being, here, God wants to demonstrate his faithfulness to us. Uh, Thereby put me to the test, says Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. There is a historical background to this figure of speech regarding God's supply of manna. The, the, the Massa portion of Scripture, the, this portion of Scripture, they all weave together. A. Uh, the people sinned in Massa by not trusting in the Lord to supply their needs. Psalm 78, 17 says yes says this, yet they sinned still more against him, rebelling against the Most High in the desert. They tested God by demanding food. 78, 18, they tested God in their heart by demanding the food that they craved. Uh, they were in the wilderness. They wanted food. They doubted God's ability to supply. And so they demanded food from him, which they which they craved. That was their putting him to the test. They thought it was impossible for God to supply their needs in the wilderness. Verse 19, they spoke against God, saying, can God spread a table in the wilderness? Uh, They grumbled against Moses. Moses, you brought us out here into this wilderness. How are you going to feed this multitude of people? You have brought us out here to die. I trust you know the story. And so they are upset. How is God going to supply their need? D, however, God gave them water to drink and food to eat. Verse 20, he struck the rock so that water gushed out and streams overflowed. Can he also give bread or provide meat for his people? God was angry with his people for failing to trust him. Verse 21, therefore, when the Lord heard, he was full of wrath. A fire was kindled against Jacob. His anger rose against Israel because they did not believe in God and did not trust his saving power. So they didn't think that God could or would supply. There's the common denominator. There is the issue. That is, people failing to believe either that God can or that God will supply. Okay? Not tithing is taking things in their own hands and saying, I can't tithe because God can't or won't meet my needs. However, God wonderfully supplied, and here are the words of our text. Verse 23, Yet he commanded the skies above and opened the doors of heaven, and he rained down on them manna to eat and gave them grain of heaven. So God provided in a way in which they were totally totally unexpected. But God was able to provide food for them, and he indeed uh, watched over and protected them for the 40 years that they were in the wilderness. It is this portion of scripture that's quoted in our text, Malachi 3.10. Bring the full tithe in the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Thereby put me to the test, says the Lord, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Okay, Trust me, God says, if you practice tithing, you may not see, but you'll find out that God is able to provide. Maybe he will uh, provide monies in ways that he didn't expect. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll uh, give you great deals. Uh, maybe people will donate food or clothing to you. Whatever. 
Maybe simply your car won't break down even though it's old, uh, but God will supply. The point of the illustration is this. There is a tendency for us to doubt whether or not God can and will supply. That doubt is sinful. It fails to take God at his word. We're to demonstrate our trust in God by tithing. Uh, you know, one of those great ironies about our coinage, our money, is that it says in it, on it, in God we trust. It was intended to be a reminder that our trust is not in this money that we have. Our trust is in God. But in reality, we all know the struggle of when monies get tight to uh, begin to wonder uh, can God or will God meet my deeds? For in so doing, we will see that God is faithful in supplying our needs. So what we learn from this portion of scripture is that tithing is just a one example of how we constantly have to be trusting God in obeying his commands, believing he knows what's best, believing that his way is the right way. And so here is this example. Next. Prosperity can be a hindrance to tithing. Deuteronomy 8.11 Take care, lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes which I command you to this day. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when you, your herds and flocks multiply, and your silver and gold is multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up, and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with his fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the filthy rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that it might humble you and test you to do good in the end. Deuteronomy 8:17. Beware lest you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand hath gotten me this wealth. So the temptation is <clears throat> that the more we prosper, the more to think, well, I deserve this. This is mine. I worked hard for this. Uh, I made wise investment decisions. I did this. I did that. Uh, this is mine, and it's for me to enjoy, and it's for me to do whatever I want with. Uh, it belongs to me. Uh, it's easy to, to fail to recognize God's grace and goodness and what he gives us. Moving on. The result of having returned by faithfully bringing our tithes and offerings to God. God will be faithful in supplying our needs. Uh, the last part of that verse. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. God will remove his financial discipline from us. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field and shall not uh, fail to bear, says Lord of hosts. So many of the unexpected uh, expenses that we incur uh, are going to be done away with. Okay? That, uh, we're to, to see that uh, those unexpected expenses are God uh, just reminding us of the need to be dependent of God. And we will know and experience God's goodness, Malachi 3.12. Then all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says Lord of hosts. So conclusion. Just some simple thoughts. First, Tithing is not to be understood as an investment strategy. Okay? Uh, we are not uh, to learn from this that uh, the way to get rich is to give tithing. Uh, nor is it a quick get rich scheme. Okay? 
I'm sure you have encountered the tele-evangelists. Uh, you may have heard of seed faith giving. Uh, the idea is that you can't outgive God. Uh, there is one famous tele-evangelist that encourages people who are in debt to borrow an extra $10,000 and give it to his ministry. And uh, if in faith you step out and take on more debt and give 10000 then God is going to take away all your debt. Okay? That's heresy. Uh, that's just manipulation. Uh, that's just somebody uh, trying to raise monies for their organization. Okay? That's the wrong view. That's not what's going on here. Having said that, however, tithing is a demonstration of faith in a God who can provide. Wrong thinking is that I cannot uh, afford to tithe. Okay? Uh, now, I get and I understand that uh, people can get themselves in tremendous financial straits. I, I get that. I really do. But right thinking is that I cannot afford not to tithe. Okay? Um, we need to be making giving to God a priority. Uh, we might have to work up to tithing if we haven't practiced tithing, but please give something. Don't give nothing to God's work, the church. Uh, if you are indeed able to tithe, that means... Uh, when, when I say that, I, you know, I... I do understand that people can get themselves into great, great straits. Uh, I, I do know uh, a situation, and the couple doesn't come to our church, so don't be thinking about who this is. Uh, this was in many years ago when I was in a, another church, another situation, working with a couple, and they didn't budget, and they didn't really look at their, their finances very closely. They wondered why they never had enough money at the end of the month. Well, when I finally sat down with them and went over their, their expenses, they didn't make enough to cover what their bills were monthly. They didn't even realize that. Uh, so they had a long way to go in order to, to uh, be able to get to a place where they had any money at all to give. I, so I get that. But I just say to you, um, seek to practice tithing. D, tithing glorifies God as a recognition that what we do have has been given to us by God. It is just this way of, of literally acknowledging that this belongs to you. This came from you, this 10%. Obviously, everything we have ultimately comes from God. But this 10% is to be reserved uh, for God's use and God's use alone through the church. E, tithing is a good illustration of returning to God, for it is an act of faith that is based on remembering the kind of God uh, uh, that we are serving. Um, so it's, it really is returning to God in the sense of coming back to understand who this God is. He's a loving God. He's a gracious God. He's a powerful God. Uh, he's an all-wise God. Uh, he is a God who can take care of me. And I have to believe that. And I have to act. Uh, accordingly. F. He can and will do what he says he will do. So I don't know what the practices are in the church. I'm not particularly preaching it to anyone. Uh, it's the next portion in uh, Malachi, but it's a significant one, and it's one that uh, 
uh, obviously is greatly needed in uh, America today. All the statistics saying that the, the church um, only a very, very minuscule amount of people uh, are, uh, are, are tithing to the, the church. And as a result, uh, the church is not able to do uh, some of what it could and should do. And it would be amazing if uh, people would tithe uh, the amounts of money that would be available and the kinds of things that, that could be done to the glory of God. Let's pray. Our Father, uh, we thank you that you are the great provider. I pray that you would convince us of that truth and that, Lord, you would help us to recognize uh, your bountiful care and provision for us. Uh, may we be mindful of our duty and responsibility for you. Uh, Lord, help us to trust you uh, in this area of finances so we might learn to trust you in all areas of our life. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, and you are dismissed.